Well, good afternoon and welcome to our All Saints Day service here at uh, Mount Olivet. I want to invite you now to stand as you're able and join me as we say together our call to worship as found on your bullet. On this All Saints Day, we gather to join the multitude of saints across the generations from all tribes, peoples, and languages to proclaim salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. We come to remember, to grieve, and to celebrate those saints who have come before, yet whose life and witness continues to teach us salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. We gather today as the family of Christ, siblings and saints, diverse yet united by grace, to live lives that declare salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. May we be guided today by the Lamb who is our shepherd, the one who gathers us, comforts us, and tends us. May we join in the work of the shepherd to bring about a world with no more hunger, no more thirst, no more suffering, and no more pain, that all the saints of the past, the present, and the future may share in God's abundant life. Amen. I want to invite you to remain standing as we sing together the first two verses of hymn number 384, Love Divine, All Loves Excelling, just verses 1 and 2. Our sermon text comes from the book of Revelation, chapter 7, verses 9 through 17. It says this, After this I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne 
and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, singing, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, robed in white, and where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one that knows. Then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Our friends, this is the word of God for you and I, the children of God. Thanks be to God. We had a dear friend of ours when we served in Camden. Her name was Gloria, who desperately wanted me to teach and preach on the book of Revelation. On the last day of any of the Bible studies we ever had, when I would ask the class what they might want to study next, she would always say, Revelation, Revelation. We even had this thing around Easter one year. We called it the Grand Slam, where everybody got a ticket and if you came to the Monday Thursday service and the Good Friday service and the Easter sunrise service and the Easter service and all four of those boxes were checked off, we put all of those into a hat and we drew a ticket out and whoever the winner was got to either pick the closing hymn or the sermon text for the Sunday after Easter. And she told me, oh, Pastor Mark, I hope that I win because that's the only way that I know you'll have to talk about Revelation. Luckily, she didn't win. <laughs> and I say that for the same reason I told her I wasn't going to lead a class from the book of Revelation. Simply, friends, I don't understand all of it. I've read it. But I don't get most of it. I didn't take any classes about it in seminary. And to me, it's like the old saying that has been attributed to Abraham Lincoln Better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak and to remove all doubt. So I've never taught or preached on Revelation until today. Now, I can't explain why. I don't think I'm any smarter than I was when we were serving in Camden. I haven't done any kind of intense study on Revelation at all. But when I was reading through the lectionary texts appointed for today, Psalm 34, 1 John 3, Matthew 5, I came to this one and I read it and it made some sense to me. Now, we did lose Gloria about a year and a half ago. So maybe from the great beyond, she is influencing me and trying to help me out a little bit. I don't know. Or maybe in the back of my mind, I'm still thinking about the conversation that I told you guys about that I had with my mom about my Granny B, and it 
has me thinking about the hope that we all share about what awaits for us on the other side of this thin veil between heaven and earth. In any event, friends, here's what I got. John is telling us what he sees in his heavenly vision. And what he paints for us is a picture of the church in glory. He is giving us the eternal reality of the great multitude who are saved. All of those that have gone before you and I who have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. He tells us they are from every tribe and every nation, every people, every language. And we are given the idea that represented here is the whole of Christianity throughout all time and space. They are, in fact, all of the saints. So why would we read anything else on All Saints Day? And not only does he tell us who they are and where they're from, he tells us what they are saying and singing We are told they cry out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. The same words that you and I said together in our call to worship. Now what do these words mean? These saints gathered from every corner of the world are pointing to Jesus, pointing us to Jesus, the Lamb who was slain. They want all of our attention to be on Him which ties in perfectly with everything we've been talking about in worship over the past several weeks. Remember, we were told, keep our eyes on Jesus. A couple weeks ago, stay on Jesus' hip. And then one of the elders speaks. And he tells us why it is that they are all pointing us to Jesus. It's his blood that proved the only detergent that can lift the stain of sin. It's his life laid down and taken up again that paved the way for their life and yours and mine. It's his salvation that belongs to him that he freely gives to us freely of his grace. And take note of all the action verbs in our passage. This isn't a gathering of folks just sitting around. No, they are a communion of saints very much alive in Christ. The dead who have gone before us live with him. John eleven twenty five through 26 assures us that for he who believes in Christ, even though he dies, shall live. And he who lives and believes in Christ will never die. Again, friends, what we have in these verses is a picture of the church in all her glory. It's a picture of all the faithful, Old Testament and New Testament, Jew and Gentile, male and female, long gone and not even yet born. And my dear friends, it is also a picture of you. That's the hope that all of us should take from this passage and on this day as we celebrate the saints of our church and of all the churches throughout the world. You see, somewhere in this massive crowd from every nation, there's a face very familiar to you. It's the one that you get to look at in the mirror every day. Because if this is, in fact, a gathering of all the saints, then that includes you. For you, too, are washed in the blood of the Lamb. You too were buried with Christ and raised with Christ in holy baptism. 
You too gather at the altar of Christ with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven. And you share in the blessed sweet communion of not only with Christ, but with all of those that are in him. Even those that have already passed on. One of my commentaries says this, All Saints Day is a reminder to Christians that we are saints even while we are sinners. That we live in the strange paradox of this dual reality. Though I sin every day, though I sin much, though I sin by my own most grievous fault, God sees me as righteous through Christ. He sees me as I am, declares me to be holy and blameless. When God looks at you, he doesn't see or regard all the embarrassing realities of your fallen, corrupted, naked shame. He looks past the filth. Rather, he sees you clothed with a white robe of righteousness. It's as if he's looking at Jesus himself. And so he says of you, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter with whom I am well pleased. You, friend. You are invited to be a part of this gathering of saints, not through works or deeds, but through faith in Christ Jesus. We celebrated the Reformation yesterday, and with it we remember what is called the five solas, a concise statement of the gospel that is the lifeblood of our church. Scripture alone, grace alone, faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. The question for us is, can we say that these five things are a summary of our faith? But I was really struck with what the elder tells John in verses 15 through 17. He says, for this reason, they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Friends, this is God gathering in his beloved. And I want you to compare that with what you and I read in the Old Testament. Those of you who are participating in our goal of reading the whole Bible over the course of this year might remember what we read there. Because in the pages of the Old Testament, it speaks of a time when We were not before the throne of God, but were cast out into the exile of separation over sin. We were not fit to stand in his presence or enter his holy temple. Only the priests could. And even they could only do it at specific times. But now, thanks to Jesus, all are holy. All are in his temple. All serve him day and night for all eternity. There is no more wall of separation between man and his creator. This is what heaven is all about. Sheltered in the presence of God. And this should give us strength. This should give us confidence. This should give us peace. This should give us hope. But friends, as you know, we are all aware that life is not always... Rainbows, sunshine, and unicorn. We face trials and difficulties. We face some things as consequences of our sin. We face other things as part of the brokenness of the world we have inherited. 
We see all manner of illnesses, persecution, heartbreak, loneliness, conflict, war, addictions, injustice, abuse, disaster, poverty, betrayals, lies, mockery, depression, and even death itself. And yet I want you to hear these comforting words. Again, from one of my commentaries, it says, but paradise lost with Adam and Eve is restored in Christ. What sin has shattered, Christ makes new. Through one man came death to the whole world, but through another man came life for all. So it is that with the lamb as our shepherd, everything is right and good again. No more hunger, thirst, or scorching heat. No more suffering and pain. And in his tender mercy, not only does he take away sin and suffering, but the picture is so up close and personal, he wipes every tear from our eyes. Christ knows your suffering. He suffered all, even the very wrath of God, to win your salvation. He is not unable to sympathize with us in our weakness. In fact, he knows it better than we ourselves. The man of sorrows wept bitter tears for you on the cross to take away all tears from you forever. And though in this world, while we are in the body, we still suffer for a time, those sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that is to come. For behold, he makes all things new. The colic for this day, the book of common prayer says this, O almighty God who has knit together thine elect in one communion and fellowship in the mystical body of thy son, Christ our Lord, grant us grace so to follow thy blessed saints in all virtuous and godly living that we may come to those unspeakable joys which thou hast prepared for those who unfeignedly love thee through Christ Jesus our Lord. Grant us grace so to follow thy blessed saints. That's what we celebrate today. The saints that have gone on before us, the example that they set for us, and the grace of God that allows us to, yes, follow them, but more importantly, to follow Jesus living lives that glorify God all the days that you and I have left on this side of paradise. Thanks be to God for all the saints that have gone before us. Thanks be to God for incorporating us into that blessed communion. Thanks be to Christ the Lamb for his salvation. Thanks be to God. Amen. Friends, let us pray. Living God, our guide and guardian, who sits on the throne and delivers us into eternal life, we give you thanks for the saints of every time, tribe, and tongue who now rest in the shelter of your embrace. We set aside this moment to remember those saints who are dear and precious to us, who have died and entered into glory during the last 12 months. Meta Austin. Ben Barbie. Jean Bassnight.
Margaret Henderson. Nancy Kepschel. Tom O'Neill. Clarence Skinner. Maxine Thomason. Sarah D. Wise. We bless you for the life and love of these dear saints and rejoice for them that they have entered into the fullness of life in your presence. We also remember those saints who we hold in our hearts, who have not been with us for some time, or who may have not yet been named, and yet whose life and witness continue to form and shape us as your disciples. We honor them now by lifting their names either aloud with our lips or silently in our hearts. On this All Saints Day, we also remember that we too are living saints, members of the family of God, with all the saints of the past, the present, and the future. And so we remember that we are God's children. What we shall be has not yet been revealed, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So today and every day, may we put on Christ and live as saints who tend the poor, comfort the mourners, learn from the meek, affirm those who seek righteousness, offer mercy alongside the merciful, and work for peace with the peacemakers until Christ comes in final victory and we feast as the family of God at his heavenly banquet. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, let me invite you now to stand as you're able and sing the last two verses of hymn number 384, Love Divine, All Loves Excelling, verses 3 and 4.
benediction. Loving and generous God, we come to you hungry and thirsty for your word. Satisfy our hunger, quench our thirst, nourish our soul. Teach us to listen and heed all your promises and receive the abundance of your inexhaustible grace. We pause to remember the faithfulness of your servants from all generations, from all peoples in all languages who shared in word and deed the many wonders of your love and grace. And now with words of hope in our hearts, we again respond to your call to carry the good news of Jesus Christ in all languages, beginning here in our communities, across all borders, and unto the ends of the earth. Send us in the power of your Holy Spirit to join your mission of bearing witness to your Son, our Lord, who in a humble Nazarene synagogue announced, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Beloved, receive this good news. You are children of God, united as family with the saints of every tribe, nation, language, and generation. Go forth now in the company of the multitude who have put on the life of the Lamb, that you may love and live after the imitation of Christ, our Savior. Amen. Amen.